0: Hi friends, before we get started, a quick request. Apple did a little update recently, which means that you may no longer be following High Performance Health. There is an easy fix to make sure you're not missing out. If you very quickly go to the High Performance Health show page on Apple Podcasts and hit follow in the top right corner. Once you hit the follow button, it will make sure you don't miss out and continue to get notified each time we release an episode to upgrade your health for high performance. And if you haven't already, while you're there, leave us a review. I read all of the reviews and I'm super grateful you're here.
1: The science is unequivocal, common sense is unequivocal, and and um, science is unequivocal, That your physiology drives a lot more of your psychology than you may be aware of. I always come back to that energy. Get your energy to heroic levels get your energy to the highest possible levels and that's going to drive how productive you are
0: you're listening to the high performance health podcast helping you optimize your health performance and longevity my name is angela foster and i'm a former corporate lawyer turned high performance health coach each week i bring you cutting-edge biohacks inspiring insights and high performance habits to unlock optimal health performance and longevity so excited that you've chosen to join me today now let's dive in Hi, friends. I have a very special episode coming up for you today. One that is going to give you the tools you need to close the gap between your current reality and your true potential. My guest is Brian Johnson. He's the founder and CEO of Heroic Public Benefit Corporation. He's also the author of the best selling book, R.A.T.A. Activate Your Heroic Potential. Ryan describes himself as 50% philosopher and 50% CEO, and he is 101% committed to helping create a world in which 51% of humanity is flourishing by the year 2051. And as a founder and CEO, he's built and sold two social platforms. And as a philosopher and teacher, he's helped millions of people from around the world, and he's trained over 10,000 heroic coaches from over 100 countries, and he's created a protocol that science says changes lives. And in today's episode, we dive into self-improvement, Strategies and biohacking techniques to help you really activate your superpower. I truly believe that we all have one, and this will help you to step into the best version of you. And if after listening, you'd like to dive deeper, definitely check out Brian's brilliant book, Arete. It's literally a tome of self improvement strategies, and it can really help you to activate your heroic potential. But without further delay, let me introduce you now to Brian Johnson. So Brian, we were just talking offline there, just how inspired and how excited I am to have you here on the podcast today, because you've been a huge inspiration for me over the years. Um, I've been a long time fan of your work and and following everything that you do. So firstly, a very warm welcome to the show.
1: Angela, I appreciate you. Thrilled to be here. Looking forward to our chat.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, A good place to start, I think, Brian, is let's start with the meaning of arate. Because um, I think this, this is kind of the cornerstone. This where we can kind of kick things off. But what does Areté yep. mean? I knew the book is Areté. You're wearing an Areté shirt.
1: I'm wearing an Areté tattoo, Angela. I'm all in on well. Areté. Yeah, let's go. Uh, too funny. Um, yes, yeah, so Areté, if you're just listening, A R E T E, it's an ancient Greek word. And if you asked the ancient Roman Stoics and Greeks how to live a good life, they would have answered you in a single word. And that word is arate. We directly translate it as virtue or excellence. Um, But it has a deeper meaning, something closer to being your best self, moment to moment to moment. And when you live with arate, you close the gap, as I like to say, between who you're capable of being and who you're actually being. In that moment, you experience what the Greeks called eudaimonia, which means good soul. It was the summum bonum. The greatest good of ancient um, philosophy in, in the Greco-Roman world. Um, it's a deep sense of meaning and purpose and um, and flourishing. So Arete is the one-word summation of my life's work. I actually had a different title for the book, and then I realized, well, no, this is what the word, the book needs to be, and uh, that's arte
0: Awesome. Um, when you were talking there about closing the gap, uh, I was listening to the audio version of the book, uh, and you make a really really interesting point and something i think people should take on board right is that to the extent there is a gap between who we are being and who we can be in terms of our fullest potential then there will be a degree of suffering i guess my first question in relation to that is how much of a gap i mean presumably almost everyone has a gap right uh, to a degree um how prevalent is the gap that people are experiencing
1: yeah it's interesting too because there's kind of the gap between where we think we should be and where we are in our lives. I'm not talking about that gap. So when we look at, when we look back, we got to look back with gratitude for all the experiences and how much we've grown over the whatever period of time. And then there's also a gap between where we are and where we want to be long, long term. And that's healthy. You want to rub it up against the constraints of reality and be grateful for what you have. But what I'm talking about is in any given moment, We all know that there's kind of that best version of ourselves, how we can show up, whether it's with our spouse or our kids or in our creativity. And to the extent you're you're closing that gap and none of us do it perfectly. None of us need to do it perfectly. But the more we become mindful of it and the more consistently we step forward into what Abraham Maslow would call growth. Forward into growth or back into safety, he says. Forward into growth, back into safety. Plus one, minus one. Plus one, minus one is another way that I frame it up. You just want to be aware of that and know that the days when you have a lot of those gaps, the minus one, minus one, oh, shoot, you just didn't do what you knew you could have done. Those are the days you tend to want to numb yourself whether that's binge, uh, drinking, eating, watching, whatever it is that you do, we all have our numbing tendencies. Those are the days we tend to feel a real big gap. Um, And it's stated positively, when you close that more and more consistently, you have a deeper relationship with your best self. Um, You tend to cultivate a lot more confidence. You tend to cultivate a lot more energy um, and tranquility and that deep meaning and purpose as well.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, energy I find is like, we have so much energy, right? Within our, within our bodies. Um, and energy is something that so much I found from my own kind of mental health issues that I had over the years is tightly linked to that. Um, what have you found your, I think one of the things that I find so inspirational about you is just how physically fit you are alongside your success and your family life. You seem to like achieve it all, which is incredible and very inspiring for people. Um, what are the top ways that you keep your energy up so that you can truly like close that gap and step into the best version of you in each situation?
1: Yeah, I appreciate your kind words and um, working hard to kind of integrate those. We call them the big three, energy, work and love. I think the first most important thing is to make the connection and to realize just how important our energy is. And we were talking beforehand that I used to be like you in the past, you know, where you just, the last thing was taking care of yourself and you're eating and you're moving and you're sleeping was the last thing we prioritized, but the science is unequivocal. Common sense is unequivocal and and um, science is unequivocal, that your physiology drives a lot more of your psychology than you may be aware of. Um, and for me, I can get more done in an energized, well-rested state than I can ever get done when I'm feeling lethargic and just If it'll burn down, not quite where I want to be energetically. So my priority is always to get my energy up. And this is Stephen Covey's, you know, seven habits. His seventh habit is sharpen the saw, renew yourself, take care of yourself. I say, why sharpen your saw when you can build a chainsaw? You know, I can get through so much more when I'm highly energized. Therefore, I prioritize the things that keep me energized. And those are basic things. Sleep is the number one thing for me. So I I train my sleep like, a, like I'm a world-class athlete, like it's a sport, you know. And then uh, my nutrition is really simple, but I follow that protocol. And then my movement is really simple, but I show up consistently. And I found that when I put that eating, moving, and sleeping together consistently, I have – it's easy for me to maintain a high level of energy. Um, obviously, we all have ups and downs, but that's um, – something I prioritized and then got clear on what works for me, and then I do it consistently. But I've kept it really simple over the years, and it's gotten simpler um, with each passing year.
0: And with your sleep, I'm curious, do you do you track your sleep? Like I use a whoop and an aura, do you do you look at your sleep data?
1: Yeah, I have an aura. I kind of got tired of their activity measure, so I don't wear it during the day anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I've worn an aura, an aura ring for years, um, which I find super helpful. You know, the resting heart rate, HRV is really interesting to go with the deep sleep and REM sleep Um, and just, you know, just tracking things and moving little variables. You know, when's my last meal? Well, that's going to be the number one thing that impacts my HRV and resting heart rate. Um, And it's just fascinating. My son's 11. He just got one like 10 days ago, and it's really fun. To look at his scores. And, you know, we went to a a basketball game the other night. We went to bed three hours later than we usually do because it was a night game. And it's so fun to go, look, when you go to bed later, you get less deep sleep because deep sleep happens earlier Mm -hmm. in your sleep cycle. And it's just been really fun to integrate that data. Um, And again, for me, it's make the connection. If you do this, then it leads to that. And then it becomes exciting. These are not chores we have to do, these become gifts we give to ourselves um with each choice that we make during the day and at the end of the day to get a good night of sleep etc
0: 100 percent. my uh my boys have just got whoops and uh that's been really interesting i've noticed that my my 15 year old he's like uh, i'm like where's your sleep data you're not like you're not wearing it. i don't see you wearing it let me have a look and he's like oh no you know i had a sleepover with some friends i knew it was going to be a bad night so i took it off <laughs> <laughs>
1: but,
0: um, it's uh it's really helpful because it helps you understand and i think even things like the breathing rate right when i'm working with clients that's super interesting in addition to their heart rate for me because you can see how stressed someone is and what's going yep. on with their nervous system when they're kind of unconsciously breathing at a very rapid rate so very interesting
1: yeah it's interesting because i usually usually rattle off five fundamentals i just did eating moving and sleeping the fourth and the fifth are breathing and focusing your mind. So, yeah, breathing is is a big, big thing. And of course, each of these data trackers will will give us um, signals into that. But that's something that I've I've trained relentlessly over the years as well. And, and arguably is I've done a lot of things, but that's up there, tied for first is the most powerful. Turning ourselves to breathe properly, um, slowing down the breathing rate, in through the nose, and all the other things that, that I have found to be really. Um, You know, energizing while creating the tranquility simultaneously and all the other things.
0: Perimenopause can be a time of significant disruption, not just to our hormones, but also to our sleep, anxiety, energy levels, and gut health. Add in a busy work schedule, workouts, and three kids, and I know that I need more nutrient support than I used to. While I do my best to get enough vitamins and minerals through whole food sources every day, there are times I can't quite get enough servings, and that's why I take AG1 every day. It covers my bases with high quality ingredients like pre and probiotics to support gut health, adaptogens to help buffer stress, antioxidants and whole food source nutrients to deliver that welcome boost in energy. One daily scoop of AG1 covers my nutrient gaps and supports my mental and physical health without a lot of hassle. I simply add one scoop to my water in the morning with the confidence to know I'm giving my body what it needs. Taking AG1 helps me to feel more energized, sleep better and gives me glowing skin. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I've partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash Angela Foster. That's drinkag1.com forward slash Angela Foster. Would you like to uncover the secrets of your metabolism and hit your weight goals in a really easy, scientifically-driven manner? For over a year now, I've been using a smart little device called Lumen. And through a simple breath test, Lumen helps me optimize my fasting period. It tells me the best time to eat carbs, how to fuel my workouts, tracks how stress and sleep affect my metabolism, and gives me daily personalized meal plans. Lumen is the first device to hack your metabolism and reveal your lifestyle and diet's true impact on your health and ability to lose weight, and it can help you to enhance fat burn, lose weight, and boost your energy naturally. And Lumen is giving listeners of this podcast $90 off. All you need to do is head over to AngelaFoster.me forward slash Lumen and enter code Angela90 at checkout to save $90 you can finally take charge of your metabolism in 2024 with this exclusive discount. Simply head over to AngelaFoster.me forward slash lumen that's A-N-G-E-L-A-F-O-S-T-E-R dot M-E forward slash L-U-M-E-N and enter code Angela90 at checkout. Now let's get back to the show. I have here some of the top points right? summarized here, if we can dive into them in relation to the book. Because this is, I mean, this is a bite of this book, right? I think it's something that I'm going to come back to again and again, because I love the way it's in kind of bite-sized pieces. But let's kick off with like, know the ultimate game. What does that mean? How can we know the ultimate game? Presumably in the game. Yeah. So the book
1: has seven objectives and everything I do comes back to seven objectives. So I've spent You know, half of the last 25 years as a founder CEO, the other half as a philosopher, a lover of wisdom. Ancient wisdom, modern science integrated into these seven objectives in the book, in our coach program, et cetera. The first objective is you gotta know the ultimate game. So I like to say, and this is a 2,500 year old challenge. All of the ancient wisdom and faith traditions say the same thing. It's a battle between vice and virtue, between hedonic and eudaimonic happiness, et cetera. Uh, but we've been seduced to play um, the wrong game to put it directly Um, to go after the fame the wealth the hotness the extrinsic motivators and nothing inherently wrong with them but if we are predominantly oriented toward those extrinsic motivators we will be less psychologically stable is what scientists tell us than people focused on the intrinsic motivators becoming a better person Deepening relationships and making a a meaningful contribution to your family and and community. Um, That's the ultimate game. And ultimately, the ultimate game is be your best self. Live with orate in service to something bigger than yourself. And again, the extrinsic stuff matters. It's not that it doesn't matter at all, but you want to make sure your predominant focus is on the intrinsic stuff. Um, And that's how we frame up everything in the beginning of the work
0: love it. And in the in the morning when you wake up, do you have a specific routine that you go through that helps you kind of win the day and, and play the ultimate game?
1: I do. I do the exact same thing every morning, which is load up the aura ring, check out the data. I get a little bit better every day. Win or learn. Oh, okay, cool. That worked. Do more of that. Uh, that could use a little bit of work. How about we tighten that up? Um, and then I use our heroic app. So we built our app to help people get clarity on who they are at their best, and then to do the things that they know they do when they're at their best. Um, and it's a simple little protocol we've created. It takes me a couple of minutes to just recommit to being my best in energy, work, and love. I set up some targets that I, I have set up targets and I commit to hitting them and doing certain things. And it's just a quick tap, tap, tap through our app. Um, that's how I start every single day. Then I meditate. Then I do a little bit of movement um, and then I do almost always deep work before I allow anything into my consciousness. I've done what I've decided is the most important thing for that day or refreshed my vision for what we want to do strategically, et cetera. I should conclude by saying this morning started last night. So my big thing with our coaches, we train is today started yesterday. So if I want to start today with the energy that I aspire to have, I need to end yesterday well. So we're all about the PM bookend and how you finish your day, shutting down your work, turning off the electronics, being with your family or whatever your idiosyncratic rhythms are, but prioritize getting into bed by a certain time such that you can wake up naturally, well-rested, feeling great. Um, but if you don't take care of last night, then this morning um, isn't gonna be what you want it to be. So that that's that's the most important thing I did for this morning was end my day and go to bed. You know, we tucked in the kids. It's the middle of winter now. We tucked in the kids. We were in bed by like seven something, you know. We're an hour and a half after the sun sets. We're in bed, getting up early and um, without an alarm after nine hours and 15 minutes in bed, ready to go.
0: Amazing. And so this is really right to build consistency, because I know there's plenty of people who, and I look at my background as a lawyer, we certainly disrespected sleep, right? We would just work through the night to pull off a deal and get it done. Consecutive nights, quite often weekends. Um, What I found myself, and I'm curious what you found, is that when you are more disciplined around working times, and as you say, shutting down and bookending your day, Actually, your energy is longer or or is higher for a much longer period of time, right? So because life is a marathon, not a sprint. What would you say to people listening who feel like they're just trying to juggle so many things? They're working, they've got kids, they've got a really busy time, maybe they've got aging parents, and they just feel like sleep is the thing that's kind of getting shelved because they just feel like they're in this period they've got to get through.
1: Yep. Um, for me, like, and I love the I, the metaphor of marathon and sprints, but I'd say life is a marathon of sprints. So I like to go hard. I, it's not that I, I don't work hard. I just know that in order to perform at the level I want to perform with the sustainability that I want to perform at that level, I have to prioritize sleep, which means that I might be, it's not even that I'm working less because then, then you get disciplined and then you realize, all right, well, between here and here, I'm going to be working, spending time with the family a little bit before, and then, of course, after, then shutting down. And, um, but I have found, as I said before, that, that I simply can't get the quality work done when I'm tired that I can when I'm well-rested. And I have experienced what it feels like to get very, very, for me, high-quality work done. And I've made the connection that that's because I'm really, really well rested and taking care of my physiology. Again, not just sleeping, but eating and moving as well. Um, and I don't like performing at a suboptimal level. So rather than drag on through the day and do mediocre work, I would rather shut down, prioritize my sleep, um, and then show up with the energy to get really high quality work done. And then with respect, you know, I playfully talk to my, our coaches of, uh, you got to make a decision. I mean, most people are we're busy and we're doing all the things, energy, work, and love, but then we also waste a lot of time, you know, and there's a lot of time spent staring at screens late at night that could be better invested into taking care of yourself. And the way I directly stated to our coaches is you got to make the call. Do you want to be entertained or do you want to be actualized? And then again, you got to make the connection that sleep is going to help you show up with more vitality and energy. Um, But I think turning off the screens late at night, you know, and and the playful, let me see what you're doing. eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 at night, because I want to see if I can sneak some of that time back. And again, some of us are just working hard and doing all those things. And there's obviously asterisks to certain moments in life and seasons in life, Um, but we need the seven hours of sleep. I believe the scientists that tell us that you need seven to eight hours of sleep. My own personal experience has validated that. And the odds of you being one of the people that can get by on less than seven hours of sleep, not hours in bed, sleep. And 90% efficiency, as you know, is great. So you're talking eight hours in bed to get seven hours of sleep for most people. Um, The odds of you being able to get by on that uh, from a genetic mutation of some kind are about the same as the odds of you being struck by lightning in your lifetime, which are surprisingly high, frankly, one in (laughs) 11,000. But the odds, you know, no, you need to sleep. And again, uh, people have a, a, a baseline resetting you know, that's how some scientists put it. You're so used to being tired. You don't remember. You don't know what it feels like to feel great. Um, so then you just kind of get by and the caffeine and, and the sugary foods and all this stuff give you the boost. And, and um, But yeah, we're aligned on how important it is. And um, I have found that I'm more productive when I create those constraints. I show up with the energy and um, say no to some of the distractions that just aren't that important to me
0: saying no has been a big thing definitely for me
1: um Mm.
0: i read i think that steve jobs used to host meetings i don't know how we can validate this but people had to kind of turn up and explain what they said no to uh and sometimes we get to the point where they almost had to make something up just to say that they'd said no but i think it's so powerful um Mm. i want to come on to confidence in a moment just because we're talking here around productivity really interesting the way you set up your day it's very similar to mine in terms of deep work in the morning How much um, time do you think we can really optimize in terms of that deep work before we need to recover? And what kind of transitions do you use during your day to facilitate recovery and more of that deep work?
1: Yeah, I think that the research shows, you know, 45, 60, 75, 90 minutes, I kind of lean toward the 75, 90. At that point, our performance tends to atrophy um, through old tradian rhythms. There's kind of circadian rhythms, which are daily rhythms. Then there's old tradian, which is more often than a day. Um, and it's around 90 minutes where you need, you know, a 10, 15, 20, whatever minute break. Um, I tend to love to follow that roughly, and then movement tends to be my thing. So I'll go out and do a workout in between, um, or just hang out, relax. The idea is get off of the the screens, get off of the email. You know, that sort of thing isn't the type of recovery that you want to get. Uh, but I tend to modulate my energy that way. My days are much different than they were when I was just in full hermit philosopher mode where i had like 90 minutes on 15 20 minutes off 90 minutes on 15 20 minutes off and i would just hammer deep work these days uh, my schedule is much more impacted um and uh but you know fun to find those little rhythms throughout the day and then again the most important being the big daily rhythms and uh ending your day strong um and then starting it strong so we talk a lot about darren hardy um, who wrote the compound effect talks about AM and PM bookends and that you have more control over the beginning and the end of your day than the middle. So take control of that and do the most important things and then shut down completely. So you can do the most important things and you kind of create a rhythm on a macro and then on a kind of day within the day, um, level.
0: Gracious as well. Um, the next one is force anti-fragile confidence. This is interesting um very interesting how can we but well i guess how can we become anti-fragile right my understanding of anti-fragility is that we're not just resilient and that we're coming back and able to hand another challenge or actually when we're anti-fragile we have more capacity to handle new challenges right we're stronger what have you found are the best is is that right and what have you yeah found yeah exactly
1: possible? and that's yeah nassim Taleb came up with that that word so there's fragility which is you're hit by life and you break you know like a package being sent in the mail handle me with care or I'll break if you're resilient you can handle more than you break down and bounce back faster as you said but that's where most people stop i want to be resilient he says but what's the opposite of fragility what if when life hits you hard you literally got stronger i mean that's that's a fascinating thing to consider and the metaphor that he uses is a wind will extinguish a candle but the same wind will fuel a fire so what if when life hits you rather than break. And rather than do the things you do when you feel overwhelmed, which tend to be the less than noble, virtuous things, we kind of go off the rails, forget our New Year's resolutions and all the positive habits. And that leads to fertility because then you're overwhelmed and then you're going to be less well-resourced to handle life stress. And then things get kind of out of control. But what if when you get hard, get hit hard, you slow down, And you do the things you do when you're at your best, even when you feel overwhelmed and you don't feel like doing those things. If you can then use the trigger that used to blow out your candle and use it to fuel yourself to get stronger, you're antifragile. And we talk about how to forge that antifragile confidence. Confidence, etymologically, means intense trust, Confidere, intense trust. Um, And, you know, trust is formed in any relationship, by doing what you say you will do. So if you and I schedule a time and I don't show up, you may give me a pass, but if I don't show up again, you won't trust me and you shouldn't trust me. Now, if I want to trust myself to handle whatever life throws at me, I have to do what I say I will do. So if you say you're going to eat, move, sleep, and breathe, and focus your mind and spend time with your family in certain ways, and again, none of us are going to be perfect, but if you say you're going to do that, In a certain way and you don't over and over and over again you're eroding your trust and you you shouldn't trust yourself to put it directly now stated positively when you get clear on who you are at your best and we help people get clarity on that and then when life hits you you make sure you do those things the very thing that used to knock you out makes you stronger that's the basic idea of anti-fragile confidence and you know i like to say you get even three five ten percent better at this you completely change your life because then the very thing that used to literally spin you off the rails becomes the thing that, that makes you stronger. Um, it's, it's objective, too, in the book, and, and frankly, my favorite part of um, my philosophy. It's my newest tattoo, by the way. I just gave this one to myself on uh, New Year's. I got anti-fragile confidence. Um, it's kind of the thing that, that elite performers want me to talk about the most, whether mm-hmm. it's professional sports teams or special forces operators. Like This is the, the idea that they most um, want to hear us discuss.
0: What would be some quick wins for people that, you know, are thinking like they, they feel underconfident? Maybe they're starting a new venture, right? A new business. Maybe they're, they've got a new promotion. What are some ways that they can um, help improve their confidence um, quickly in terms of quick wins that they can do? Obviously, like creating that pattern of showing that they do the things they they say they're going to do is extremely helpful. But what have you yep. found where most people fall down and what they might need to change in order to get those quick wins?
1: yeah what i like to do is is a little exercise where um ultimately i want i want you to remember what you did when you're at your best so that we've all experienced peak moments when we're showing up we're energized we're productive and we're connected so one of the simple exercises i have people do is to take out a piece of paper draw a line down the middle and put do on the upper left and don't on the upper right and then think back to a time in your life when you were performing at a very high level in your energy your work and your love could be different times for different aspects of your life, but we've all had a day or a week or a month or a year or even a decade where we are really on. So I want to know, what were you doing? And then I want to know, what were you not doing? And then I want you to look at your current life and look at the things that, that you did when you're at your best that you're not currently doing. And let's install those habits again. You, you did them successfully before, which is a great sign, but we need to make your prior best your new baseline. It's a Josh Waitzkin idea. If you've achieved a certain level of success, energy, work, and love-wise, and you performed at a certain level, you don't want to give up those gains, right? So a lot of people start, then they kind of slide back. All of us start and slide back. But you want to know who you are at your best to do, know who you are at your best and what you didn't do, um, and then systematically architect a life where you're doing the things you know are best for you, especially when you don't feel like doing it. And then the other most important thing is it's, your kryptonites, the things that you're currently doing that you know you shouldn't be doing, the, the, changing those are the fastest way to change your life. Um, even, you know, getting a good night of sleep. Maybe you're spending too much time on screens at the end of the day. That, getting rid of that and giving yourself an extra hour of sleep is the fastest way to literally change your life overnight. You know, but but that's some of how I approach it so we can get clarity on who we are at our best and then start doing it more consistently to build that trust In ourselves, the physiology gets stronger, which is going to drive the psychology and it becomes a a virtuous cycle rather than a a vicious cycle um, that goes the other way
0: and um in terms of like people who are trying i love that Well, in terms of people who are trying to like control a process right um and sometimes they can almost be gripping on too tight right so they or they're not controlling the process should i say they're maybe trying to control the outcome too much whereas what you're talking about here is very much controlling the process which i love because then the outcome is kind of happens by default um Many people I speak to get sort of nervous around, like, is this ever going to happen? They feel a degree of impatience. They've got a goal that they're trying to achieve. How, how do you help people kind of focus on that process and kind of have that degree of attachment that we need in order for life to flow more effectively? I found that we actually almost get there faster, the less intense we are in terms of like holding on too tight
1: yeah i I love the separation between the process and the outcome and clearly we want to have goals outcome goals that we're thinking about so if i'm john wooden and i'm coaching the ucla basketball team to use a classic story of course he wanted to win a championship They, they showed up he won 10 out of 12 but he didn't focus on that they all knew what they wanted to do but then what they focused on was can we make today a masterpiece can we do the little things as well as we possibly can and he focused on the most basic fundamentals of being a great basketball player, and we each have fundamentals. And so focusing on that process, executing what needs to get done today, um, allows us to do our best, which will make the outcomes we want to see uh, come to fruition much more likely. Whereas if we're anxious about, oh, is this working? Is it not working? We may not be doing the things that will help us get there. Um, but again, I always come back to that energy. Get your energy to heroic levels, get your energy to the highest possible levels, and that's going to drive how productive you are, how connected you are, and that basic commitment with flexibility as well. We don't want to get rigid in anything that we do, um, but having that structure, having some spontaneity, um, then continuing to show up, and then using the data. You know, the data is going to be important of some things will work, other things won't, um, and adjusting accordingly. Um, but keeping your energy up, getting your soul force activated, as we like to say, is always going to be, from my vantage point, the most important thing. Your consciousness is your business's most valuable asset. Whereas a leader, your mindset, who you are, how you're showing up is the most important asset. We need to act like it, prioritize it, um, and invest in it through the activities we're talking about.
0: What are some ways that people can improve consciousness? Um... Do you like engage in meditation practices what are the ways that they can really kind of develop that if you like
1: Yeah I do I mean but again that comes at the end so I got eating moving sleeping breathing focusing so I'm training my mind you know I meditate every day I'm I'm trying to limit the amount of technology I'm using and when I'm using it such that I can put my attention where I want when I want for how long I want which scientists say that ability to shine the spotlight of your attention on what you want, when you want, for how long you want is one of the most important hallmarks of a happy, flourishing person. Modern society, of course, is chipping away at that ability, especially in the next generation. Um, and that's that's a really important thing to consider. But I can't overstate, and I know I'm being repetitive, the importance of the basic fundamentals. Your ability to focus your mind is a downstream effective, well, how are you eating, moving, and sleeping? Because if you're tired, it's gonna be more difficult. You know, If you're eating a lot of of sugary foods and refined foods, it's gonna be more difficult. Your gut produces 80, 85, 90% of your body's serotonin, vis-a-vis your brain, which produces a very small amount. So if you wanna optimize your your mood and your ability to focus, eat well, move your body. I mean, John Rady of, of Harvard, MD, psychiatrist says, exercise is like taking a little bit of Ritalin, and a little bit of prosa you're focusing your mind and you're boosting your mood so all of these things that don't appear to be related to your mind are you know a strong body and some of the reason why i train is my mind is strong as it relates to my body being strong so can i get the whole um you know it, it package kind of integrated um in a powerful way but yeah i i meditate and i have every single day for 17 years now i've missed one day in 17 years and you know, um, that's important. And, and then when you're doing something, do it. Be focused on the thing you decided is most important. Most people are kind of splitting their attention across a, an array of things. So we can train our mind all day, every day as well. And notice how often we get hijacked by multiple things and, and bring ourselves back to that point of focus, I think is another powerful way to train our consciousness.
0: I love that. Have you found a specific time of day that you think is uh good to meditate? I know many people do it in the morning. Some people prefer kind of an afternoon meditation to kind of create that uh gap and that boost in energy and focus for the afternoon. I'm curious what you found and with all the coaches you've trained.
1: I'm a morning guy. So there's a couple of things that come to mind. One, you want to reduce the variability of your behavior, is again how scientists put it. So any habit you want to install. You want to anchor it to to some other activity, and you want to do it at that particular time as regularly as you can. So for me, I meditate first thing when I wake up every single morning, with very few exceptions. Now, different people have different idiosyncratic rhythms. Uh, My wife's is different than mine, but that's when I I choose to meditate. Um, And then the PM is a nice addition, and if that's your preferred time to do it, then perfect. The key is do it you know, even 15 minutes of meditation today will, will pay for itself tonight in falling asleep faster and getting into deep sleep and staying in deep sleep longer. So it's not a waste of time um, for a lot of reasons. You're going to pay it back with the better sleep. You're going to be able to focus on things and be more productive during the day. And you're going to learn how to flip the switch on your fight or flight sympathetic nervous system and get into that calm, confident, parasympathetic, relaxed, energized, tranquil state. So it's a really, really powerful skill, um, but I, I prefer to do it in the morning. And then, you know, even a breath or two or three during the day, even while you're doing dishes and, and driving driving your car to work or back home, like that, we call it flipping the switch, you know, just, just assuming a posture of relaxed, calm, confidence, breathing in, for us, we coach our, our coaches to breathe in through your nose, down into your belly, exhale slightly longer than your inhale fastest way to relax yourself i mean a single breath at any point in the day again willpower scientists say that's the fastest way to boost your willpower is one nice calm deep breath do that for a minute you've got a little micro meditation Um, you don't need to move to the himalayas and meditate for two hours a day to get the effects you know
0: I love it. I love it. You're making it so nice and easy, and and that's the most important thing that people can take this away and do it. Um, I'm guessing so. The optimize your big three has got to be the sleep, the nutrition, and the movement first, right? They're the top ones.
1: So that's the big three. As we discuss it, um, we talk about the fundamentals more in the sixth objective, which is dominate the fundamentals, which we've been talking about a lot. And then the big three is is I basically frame it up where objective one is know the ultimate game. Objective two is forge anti fragile confidence. Rule number one of of the ultimate game is it's supposed to be hard. So we've been seduced to play the wrong game and we've been seduced to think it should be easy. And if it isn't easy and you aren't winning the Instagram followers and square footage game and all the extrinsic stuff, then you think something's wrong with you, which is one of the reasons 80 percent of us are struggling from anxiety and other, you know, psychological challenges. You can connect that back to the physiology. But but then I move to, all right, let's simplify everything. Freud, with whom I don't agree on most things, but I do agree when he said that a good life comes down to two things. If you can get your work and your love optimized, you're going to have a good life, your work and your love. But then again, I say, if your energy isn't great because of poor lifestyle choices, good luck showing up in either your work or your love. So that's where our big three comes in, energy, work, and love. And then how do we get energized, productive, and connected? You get those things right. and um I believe you're 80, 90% of the way toward creating a great life.
0: Awesome. When you mentioned there's something I want to pick up there around, um, I, I just wrote down that we've been seduced to think it's easy. There's kind of a big movement around, you know, I guess the law of attraction world, that if you're on a high vibe, you can attract everything that you want into your life. Um, I've certainly found that the challenges that have come up in my life have, I've experienced the most growth, uh, and probably the, have led to the most anti-fragility. What are your thoughts around that in terms of, I mean, this probably intersects with the energy aspect of things, but around vibration and frequency.
1: I think there's a truth to people want to be around people who are, are, I'm not a big fan of, of vibration per se, although I understand what one is getting at when they, when we talk about that. Um, But there's no question neurologically and neuroscientifically that people are drawn to people who are living in integrity with their values. All my heroes on the wall back there have something I call soul force. It's an ineffable moral charisma that people feel in the presence of people who are living in integrity with their values, who know what they want, who are mission driven, who are driving toward that, but are also doing the things to create those things. Um, I believe that that things do happen you can't explain when you are living in integrity with those values, you have clarity on what you want, etc. I adamantly do not agree with the basic idea of the law of attraction that states that you simply need to imagine that which you want to see manifested in your life. The science, as I understand it, is unequivocal. You need to have a sense of what you want, but then you need to rub it up against reality. You need to see what obstacles you will un inevitably face in pursuit of bringing that to reality. And then you need to create a plan such that you can meet those obstacles such that you can um, create the life that you want. All the research done, and Gabriel Uttingen is the leading researcher in this field, unequivocally proved that the people who get what they want are the ones that work through that process. Um, And the people who just imagine what they want, but then don't. Uh, embrace reality then figure out how they're going to move under and over and through obstacles don't get what they want whether they're trying to lose weight or trying to get a new job or whatever those who are able to mentally contrast their ideal state with their current reality create what's called a necessity to act and then they do the things they need to do now you want to maintain faith you want to maintain hope and optimism while you take action and you go over under through any and all obstacles because you've got what it takes to make it happen uh, that's my orientation, and how I think we forge a true, deep, grounded sense of anti fragile confidence. And again, people feel that. Then there's this. This um, Barbara Frederickson, another one of my favorite scientists, calls it buoyancy in those people, where they have levity, they have a vision of the future, but they also have gravity. They're grounded in reality. And if you are just a little bit too manicky and too too high and have too much levity. People don't trust that and you don't trust yourself in that because you know you're deluding yourself. But when you can ground that into reality and have a healthy relationship between your dreams and the challenges you'll need to conquer in order to make those dreams a reality, um, there's a a deeper sense of integrated um, coherence. Um, And again, now a long answer to your short question, but that's how I think about that.
0: No, it's a great answer. And I think um, you, the point you make there around having a plan is so important, right? But I also want to draw out what you said around having faith, because I think this is where a lot of people maybe find it a struggle because they don't have that. And I think Hal Elrod talks about the miracle equation. Part of that is unwavering faith, right? And faith in yourself and the fact that you can get there. Um, how can we develop more faith when we're on this journey?
1: Yeah, and this makes me think of the Stockdale paradox. So James Stockdale was uh, a prisoner of war during the Vietnam War. He was the commanding officer of this prisoner of war camp, and and he was asked by Jim Collins, my favorite business strategist, mm-hmm. who made it out and who didn't. And he said, "That's easy. It was the naive optimists who died, because the naive optimists thought they'd be free, you know, come Christmas." Christmas came and went and they weren't free. And like, oh, okay, we're gonna be free by, by Easter. Easter came and went and they weren't free. And then they started losing hope. And then that loss of hope led to, they didn't make it through. So then he said, the ones who made it were the ones who had faith. They believed they would be free. But they also embrace the harsh constraints of reality. He knew it would be at least five years, up being seven years. He knew it wasn't going to happen tomorrow. Now, if I think I want to manifest that shiny red bike, and I think it's going to happen in three months or in six months, and then it doesn't happen in three or six months, what am I going to do? I'm going to give up. I'm going to think I'm not doing it right or something's wrong with me, and I'm going to lose, quote, faith. So I prefer... There's a science to hope as well, which concretizes these ideas. And there are three aspects to the science of hope. The first is you have to believe your future will be better than your present, and you have a specific target you wanna hit. Then the second part is agency. You have to believe you can create that. So even the people that are staring at vision boards, if you don't believe you can actually create that, that's not helpful. So you have to have a sense of agency. And if you don't believe you can create it, that's okay. Then recreate your future such that you can believe you can create it. Have a plan, which is the third part of it, a pathway, a plan um, through which you believe you can make that future reality or dreamt for reality a reality. Then you got to know your first plan isn't going to work, almost certainly. So you got to be ready for your plan B, C, D, E, F, G. That's the hope I believe in, you know, and the faith I believe in is I'm going to dude, I, I tattooed my body with our heroic and a 30 year goal. I want to help create a world in which 51% of humanity is flourishing by 2051, 27-year goal. You know, I, I'm not going anywhere. There's a level of, all Well, right, we'll plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. I'll do whatever it takes. I have a vision of what I want to see created, an agency, a sense that I can do it, and a humility to know I'm going to have to go through, you know, whatever I'm going to need to go through to make it happen. Um, But that's kind of how I think about hope combined with Gabrielle Oettingen's work, which is phenomenal. Her book is called Rethinking Positive Thinking. um, And there's tons of other stuff we can talk about on that front. But that's one of my all time favorite books.
0: I've made a note that I think um, I think the military talk about this, don't they as well? They always expect the first plan to fail, right?
1: It will Uh, never survive first contact with the enemy is the phrase they use. So they have a plan B and a plan C ready to go. Um, they 've also trained on the most basic fundamentals, so they 've relentlessly trained until they can do the most basic thing they train so they don 't train until they get it right, they train until they can 't get it wrong and there 's a big difference between those two things and that 's what i 'm talking about eating, moving, sleeping, breathing, focusing our minds. We need to relentlessly train and get better and better and better at that, such that our highs become higher, our lows become higher, and in many ways our our new lows are higher than our prior highs. That's what becomes exciting when we start really architecting our lives, living in integrity with these ideas. Again, never perfectly, but more and more consistently. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of the truisms. It doesn't mean you don't plan. It means that you plan and then you have contingency plans and then you do the little things, especially when you're feeling overwhelmed. Um, Nims Purja, uh, he's in a Netflix documentary wow. called 14 Peaks. He set the record for climbing 14, 8,000 uh meter tall mountains the death peak death zone mountains you know he did it in seven months the prior record was seven years he says the higher the mountain the more important the most basic fundamentals are you better be doing the smallest little things well so when you're facing huge challenges whether it's the promotion you talked about or the new business or a new relationship or a struggling relationship or a struggling business that's when the small things matter the most and it's when most people stop doing the small things And that's when most people become fragile and fall apart and all the other things. When we could use those opportunities to double down on the small things, however boring they may seem to you, knowing that that process, that execution of the basic fundamentals will give you the best shot at um, manifesting, I don't like that word, the ideal outcome that you (laughs) have for yourself, you know? (laughs)
0: It's so true. It's so true. And I love the fact that you're, you're saying all the things that I talk about because I think people often will think, um, you know, I'm just too busy to do this stuff. But actually, it is, as you say, the fundamentals. I think the other trap maybe is when you're doing really, really well and then you let go and you don't have the humility to see where you are and you kind of think everything's fine and then you start eating badly and letting go of the habits that got you there um, yeah. How can we kind of embrace, I guess, if humility is the right word, that at the same time so that we can continue hum- to grow yeah. and elevate?
1: Humility is the perfect word. I mean, it's wisdom, which will include the humility. And just um, e- to go back to your point of I'm too busy to do these things. Stephen Covey uses the metaphor of walking into a forest. You see a, a woman or a guy sawing down a tree. And they're working and working and working not getting anywhere. And you can tell that they're dull, their they're, they're blade is dull, right? So you politely encourage them to consider sharpening their saw. And they tell you, I'm too busy to slow down and sharpen my saw. To which you say, all right, well, let me not be that person. It's kind of the equivalent of going on a road trip. And you, got, you want to get there so fast and you're going so fast and your gas tank is being going down and down and down. Well, you need to stop for gas. Like that's just a wise, prudent thing. And if you don't do it before you run out, you, well, you're then going to have to spend a lot more time figuring out how you're going to get gas to you in the middle of nowhere and calling or whatever you need to call. So that's just what wisdom, you know, and the discipline to know how to play this game well and then to systematically architect it. But again, great performers in any domain train their recovery as much as they train their performance, this isn't, um, it, it, it's, it's, uh, unfortunately not, uh, commonly practiced, but it's pretty commonsensical. You know what I mean? Like, of course we need to do these things if we want to show up powerfully. Um, and then you got to deal with whatever laziness you may have, fear and laziness as my coach, Phil Stutz would put it, you know, two things that are getting in the way for all of us, like, let's deal with it, have fun with mm-hmm. it and, um, do what needs to get done, you know?
0: Yeah. I... I remember listening to you talk about fear and laziness in the book. Um, how do we make today, that's the next one, a masterpiece? I love that. I think just waking up and thinking, how can I make today a masterpiece? It's a pretty amazing question. Yeah, and
1: we've talked about a lot of that. So then first, and most importantly, think about that. What would a masterpiece day look like for you? And then think about your AM and your PM where you tend to have more control um, and then as I said before, remember that today started yesterday. So how you end your day is the most important thing for the next day. So technically in my world, your PM counts twice because yesterday's PM drove today and then you're gonna have another PM today that will drive tomorrow. So really um, getting clarity on how you can end your day strong and then waking up feeling energized and refreshed. What can you do in the morning um, that would make today a great day? And then the exercise we did on the do and the don't, then I would want you to look at those things you want to do and think about when they're going to go into your day. How are we going to stack your days? So you're doing the things that help you feel energized. Um, that's a quick look at how I think about, you know, creating masterpiece days that kind of pulls in a lot of the things we've already discussed.
0: The next step is to master ourselves, possibly one of the harder ones.
1: And one of my, so if forging fragile confidence and and master yourself, which is objective five, those two are my favorite. Um, You know, there's an art and science to behavioral change. James Clear's atomic habits, BJ Fogg's tiny habits, Charles Duhigg's power of habit. I talk about a lot in the book and in my work. Um, But the first important thing there is BJ Fogg tells us that when most people and all of us have failed trying to change certain behaviors, every single one of us. But we tend to think that it must be something wrong with us, that it must be a character flaw. He says, well, what if it's a design flaw? What if you just haven't been taught how to install and delete habits? Because there is a specific way to get good at installing and deleting habits. And again, the first step is to have a healthy amount of compassion mixed with a healthy amount of of accountability of what needs to change, Um, but shifting from the story that there must be something wrong with you, a character flaw to a design flaw, if you just haven't learned it yet, um, is really, really powerful. Um, And it's harder than you may want it to be to change certain things, but not as hard as you think it will be. And I think that's also important. And then there are a few more powerful things to learn than that. Your willpower is going to predict, basically more than anything, what you're going to get in your life, in your relationships, in your energy, um, your productivity and achievement and all the other things. So it's an important thing to... um, To invest some time and energy to gain more mastery in.
0: And then dominate the fundamentals of the fundamentals we've been talking about. We've been talking about them a lot. 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 Moving, sleeping,
1: breathing, focusing. Yeah.
0: Um, Before we get to activating superpower, are there any biohacking kind of quote unquote technologies that you use to enhance recovery? Are you into, obviously, I know you track um your recovery in your sleep with your aura ring do you use anything like red light therapy devices i guess sauna would come into that do you use any kind of neurofeedback anything that you're using any kind of nootropics to enhance flow states i'm curious
1: yep um we have a sauna which i don't use a lot my wife uses more than me i prefer texas heat natural sauna i get to sweat it's great uh and we have a cold pond as well which i prefer and use often um and uh, those are my primary things. We got the red light and all the other things. I don't really use that as a therapy per se. Um, we have a PEMF machine. Um, we've got some other technology that we use, uh, which kind of supplements, you know. But for me, it's it's the most obscenely basic stuff that I think drives most of it. And you can go pile on all of these kind of ancillary things. Um, it, you know, the cold punch and others. They're, they're powerful tools. But nothing's more powerful than quit drinking your sugar. That's rule number one in our nutrition philosophy, you know, and reduce or eliminate the refined foods like these very foundational things will drive so much for us. Um, But, yeah, I do. I do a handful of things. um, But for me, it's. Again, nothing's going to give me a higher return on my invested energy than sleep, (laughs) for example, and simple movement and simple, great nutrition, et cetera.
0: Yes. So important. What about in terms of your workspace when you're setting up uh, work? Do you have a kind of like anything that you do that kind of, shifts your brain into the gear of like now i'm going into deep work so like the routine is always the same or the way it looks or something you do where there's a little bit of music you listen to before do you do any of those things
1: i'm an earplug and noise cancelling headphones guy got a home office and uh that's kind of my cue trigger prompt you know i'm dropping in i'm going deep do the same thing when i'm meditating um but yeah uh i'm repeating myself and it's almost obnoxious it's getting myself into a state, an energetic state through the preceding 24 hours that allows me to go. Mm-hmm. If I'm, And then doing it early. So if I want to do truly creative work, I do it before I do anything else. I can do decent work, obviously, after I've looked at my email or looked at, you know, incoming messages and whatnot, but I do my best work. Good night of sleep, meditation, boom, what's the most important thing that I can do? Whether it's, you know, writing a philosopher's note. One of the things I do, or doing business strategy, or drafting a couple of emails before I even go into email, doing it in offline mode and like communicating in a certain way. Um, I try to do those things. I'm creative before I'm reactive, is how I frame it up. And identifying mm-hmm. the most important thing and then doing it. Um, but yeah, I'm not a big music guy. I like silence. And uh, yeah.
0: I'm just going that way. Um, One of the things that came out for me when I was reading the beginning of the book was a story where you're kind of coaching your son. And the thing I picked up on there is just your presence in your relationships, which is just beautiful. Um, How do you, can you help people with that? Because I think sometimes we have so much on and we have so many thoughts going around in our head that we can be distracted in situations that we don't want to be, right? We're not listening like we should be with our children. How do you create the environment so that you can be really present to those to those moments?
1: Yep, and I appreciate your kind words. And this, this remains one of my biggest challenges. So in that moment, I'm definitely on. Um, and the biggest obstacle for me and for everybody is smartphones, no question about it. And the mm. fastest way to boost our presence is create smartphone free time, you know, put your phone in an airplane, put it in a different room and be present. You know, that's unquestionably my own practice that drives the most results. And when I find myself too busy and too responsive to things and then hooked on that, back and forth that's going on on something that's quote important, then it's really easy to not be as fully present, whether I'm still in my mind or I'm actually literally responding to another input. So carving out that time, um, I actually have two phones. I have a phone that I use for work, and then I have a phone that only my wife has the number for my bat phone. She likes me to have it. I've got an 11 year old and a six year old. We go out on an adventure Um, and frankly, I haven't been as good at this lately, the last few months than I had in the prior years. Where now I'm bringing both phones, but when I only have that phone, then it's like, oh, okay, because there's nothing on that one. There's nothing I'm going to do, you know? It's just so nice. Straight- I, have
0: a, <laughs> I have the saying, I have a phone that my, because my children are older, so they can contact me. My uh, my husband can contact And it's just okay. such a relief, isn't it? To be able to have, like, to have a phone that you can use that is, it hasn't got everything else on it because it's so distracting. That's yeah. the thing.
1: Yeah, and 100%. a takes you away from yeah, those so special moment. That's it, and, and appreciating those special moments, like truly prioritizing them. It's one of the things I commit to every morning. Create those moments every single day. Create a micro moment with of awesome with my wife, with my kids. Give my wife a kiss. Give my ki- my kids a hug. You know, little tiny things that that matter and will shape the quality of the relationship now and in the future. But yet, technology for sure, I think, is the biggest barrier, and the biggest uh, the removal of it is the is the most powerful pathway to connection.
0: Mm, for sure so the final uh seventh one is to activate our superpower um we've talked about a lot of things here is there anything else you would add in relation to activating our superpower
1: yeah i mean the idea of, of heroic so activating your heroic potential is the subtitle of the book it's the name of our business heroic public benefit corporation and the heroic app um but i think that we each of us and whoever's listening to this you are the hero we've been waiting for. So what we need to do is live in integrity with our highest ideals when we do that. Objectives one, two, three, four, five, six, you know the ultimate game, you're forging anti-fragile confidence, you're optimizing your energy, work and love, you're making today a masterpiece, you are mastering yourself, you're dominating the fundamentals. When you do that, even marginally better than you currently are, you activate the latent potential within you and you create what I would call, and I got the, the phrase from Gandhi, a sense of you you have a soul force, like a power that's, that's difficult to describe that all of my heroes on the wall back here have. It's that ineffable quality. Um, the ancient Chinese philosophers would call it moral charisma, which was the whole point of their philosophy was to activate that. People, you wanna be around people with that quality, People want to be around people with that quality. And I believe it's the natural byproduct of living in integrity with your ideals. Again, Gandhi called it soul force. Martin Luther King, who, of course, Gandhi was his hero, talked about soul force in his I Have a Dream speech. I believe it's the latent power within each of us that is activated when we live in integrity with you know, whether you align with all the ideas I discussed, whatever your philosophy is, are you living in integrity with it? The more you do that, the more you're going to activate that, the more joy you're going to feel, um, the more meaning you're going to feel, the more people are going to want to be around you, you and follow your leadership and all the other things that we aspire to create in our lives.
0: Amazing. And I've noticed when I, um, I do a lot of work with biofeedback and heart rate variability, that when people are living in integrity with that, it improves things like heart rate variability, which is so um, fundamental to health. Um before you go and we link to where people can find out more about you. Um you've been so generous with your time. Um what uh who would be the person that you would want to meet if you could? You have lots of pictures behind you. If you could have a conversation with someone, who would it be and what would you ask them?
1: I'd hang out with these two guys back here. So I've got Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius, two of my favorite heroes. Um, and I feel like I do hang out with them every day. You know, part of my meditation routine is I do a certain practice every day. So there's a breath work, there's, you know, virtues that I, I um, kind of bring to mind. And then I literally talk to my heroes. They kind of come to life off of my wall where I've got them right now. Um, and I connect with them and they give me guidance and, and leadership. And it's one of the ways that I help people get clarity on that too is, is asking them, like, who are your two favorite heroes? Who comes to mind for you?
0: I have so many I mean for me one of them is actually alive still because it was such a he was so instrumental after I I left law and I was really burnt out I had terrible depression I was was hospitalized and had pneumonia and for me like Dr. Joe Dispenza's Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself was the book that that was where I started right because I had to kind of like create a new self and so but he he's alive right now Um, so I don't know I have so many like so many like books that I read I think like One of the things that I, as well, when I look at like, um, I'm sort of moved away from religion, but more into spirituality, which there's a kind of a difference. And when I look at uh, Neville Goddard's work, The Power of Awareness and the Stillness That Brings, I'd love to have conversations with him. But yeah, so many, I guess.
1: That's awesome. And the good news is we get to have those conversations. Sometimes it's one way with the, uh, you know, the books we get to read. But to me, that's, that's what reading a great book is, is we get to have a conversation with these people we admire and um, we don't need to wait. But anyway, those are two of the people I'd love to hang out with and um, feel blessed to get to hang out with them. However, virtually.
0: Awesome. Where can people find more? Uh, There's various ways, right? There's the book, there's the app, which uh, which is awesome. So many videos in there. Like, I love. I, it's kind of my go to when I want to really get like a really good summary and training on something I've read. Um, but please share. And, and how should also people approach the book? I think because for me, I'm working my way through it. It's big, and you want it to be so inclusive in it, which I think is phenomenal. It's not something I feel I want to rush. Um, how should people kind of really engage with your work Brian, to get the most out of it?
1: Yeah, you can get Arte wherever you buy books. And then Heroic, um, you can find in your iOS, Android, app stores, Heroic, where the training platform, and then on the web, it's Heroic.us or Heroic.us slash book. Uh, But yeah, those are the best ways. Uh, We talked a lot about the ideas in the book. Um, We've trained 10,000 coaches from 100 countries around the world is a big thing we do with Heroic. Um, and then the app has a lot of other things the videos you talked about distilling ideas from great books and um yeah just appreciate you nice to connect and um just you appreciate too. all that you're up to and um was a joy to be able to share these ideas
0: it's amazing to have you on the show thank you so much i was really excited uh, to to chat to you and uh, thank you for everything you shared and all the work you do and i'm just excited to share it with my audience thank you
1: oh bless you thank you Hi
0: friends, if you enjoyed that episode with Brian Johnson, I think you will also enjoy the episode I did with Jim Steele on Unashamedly Superhuman, how to harness your inner power and achieve your greatest professional and personal goals. And so I will put a link to that episode in the top link in the show notes. I hope today's episode inspired you on your journey to vibrant health and high performance. Make sure you check out the show notes for a summary of all the important links to everything we talked about. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit the follow button and share it with a friend on social media or leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Remember, achieving high performance health is about getting 1% better each day. So think about one thing you learned from today's episode and start implementing it today. Share with me what you've learned on social media over at Angela S. Foster. I love hearing from you and connecting with you. Have a beautiful day and always remember you are worthy of your dreams.